0: Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, we're asking each other, what are you listening to? You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's ask each other, what are we listening to? This is going to include Superchunk, Hookworms, American Nightmare, Loma, among others. Podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Christian Lewis and Jeremy Sartori, and today we're doing um, a segment we do pretty much quarterly at this point. It's, what are you listening to? And it's just a way to uh, sort of throw out what we have been listening to, what um, you know, sort of crossed our, our paths, what we're liking, and, and what we're recommending uh, in general, and um, we wanted to, to sort of bring special attention this time Um, to the new Super Chunk record, which caught us all a little bit off guard just in terms of the fact that it, it came out and also the fact that it's really good. And then through that, we can talk about, you know what what it is when a, a legacy band like Superchunk who's been around for quite a long time is, is putting out one of their best records this late into a career and uh, among other things so um, I don't know I want to jump in and, and start
1: talking uh, the chunk the uh, new superchunk what a time to be alive Yeah definitely. I mean it's uh, I think it's a band too that kind of crosses all three of our, our generation gaps here. obviously I mean like they started. I'm sure Christian, you probably got into them around college. I think Wyndham and I both independently got into Superchunk around our college years or late high school years as well. Um, you know, so it's a band that you know has been at it for a while. Who, you know, it, it's funny when this album came out. I was thinking, like the last <clears throat> Superchunk album, I, I probably bought and really listened to quite a bit was 99's Come Pick Me Up, and I'd I'd been a pretty avid fan, you know, from all all the earlier stuff, On the Mouth, Foolish, here's when the strings come in, and then, of course, like No Pocky for Kitty and some of the classics. Um, But I I purposely went and kind of listened to a couple of the albums that came after. You know, I would sort of, you know, just not been as as avid of a fan i always like to see them live and i always like to catch them out to see like god this because what a time to be alive was such a refreshingly great record you know on on first spin i'd heard the single what a time to be alive and the single uh, erasure and and was impressed by both but um you know it it dawned on me after jumping into majesty shredding i hate music the last two albums um, they really haven't put out a bad record. I mean, this is a band that, you know, I think you mentioned when late in their career putting out something as, as good as this is, is pretty pretty amazing, but Superchunk has consistently been Superchunk, which is a, a great sound and a great band.
2: You and- know, I, I think it's cool. They're, I mean, they really are sort of a grown-up flag bearer of, of punk at this point, and um, I, I think, you know, they've been... Relatively consistently putting out records um, since 1990s or since their nineteen ninety debut, um, and you know I, I think that the sort of the the real classics here are the the um, you know the first couple are are really standouts in terms of um, the the amount of you know ferocity and energy and and the sort of the you know great melodic hooks that they're that they're sort of known for, um, but you know I think that they really turned it on for this, and and I'm not sure. Um, if partly the timing is just right, uh, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I mean, is it is it just the fact that the audience is sort of like primed and ready for this, and um, you know, or is there uh, is is there more to it? I mean, is it is it really the fact that this is like uh, noticeably different from the um, from the last couple of records they've put out?
0: Well, it's weird for me because you know, to me, Superchunk was like the ultimate comfort food, you know what I mean? It's sort of like they were always super chunk, like Jer said. But I also, you know, I will take a different tack on that because, um, you know, whether it's my laziness or just, you know, sort of, um, you know, just expecting more of the same. I never got excited, um, probably since Foolish. I've probably never been excited about a super chunk album coming out because, you know, they're sort of like, uh, I think we've had this conversation where there are certain bands that you always look at um club listings and you know they're gonna be there like blonde redhead or something it's like they've just been playing forever for so long that it was never an event um when they came around and i kind of felt that way I started to feel that way about super chunk you know i really you know listened to on the mouth and and foolish and no pocky for kitty a lot when I was younger, and you know they they felt fun and nostalgic when I you know throw Slack Motherfucker, or Mower, or, or uh, you know Precision Auto on a on a mix. But um, and I'm always happy to hear them, but like they kind of just became wallpaper to me. And to have this album kind of get, it, it there is a marked difference here in terms of of intent i think and and state of mind where um you know that was kind of the thing Superchunk was always a punk rock band without a without a shitload of attitude <laughs> um i mean they have they you know they they do have a cool sound they have a ferocious sound it was very similar mac has a, a a thin voice that always sounded relatively similar but um, I've never heard them really pissed off before. And this is the sound of Superchunk pissed off. It took yeah, a they, while. <laughs> um, it took a successful decades. record label
1: and, and, you know, I mean, uh, indie record label. I mean, I think the thing about Superchunk too is it's a band that truly has been independent their entire career. So, I mean, some of the albums that we were mentioning earlier, I mean, they were definitely, you know, what's hot next in, in 94 and 95. But I think, you know, when bands get to this point in their career and, and I believe this is their Thirteenth album, um, you know, and, and they've spaced them out, right? I mean, I think they focus on merge quite a bit. I think they, you know, are getting older and probably just not touring as much and things like that. You expect the band to kind of slow down a little bit and get into their, you know, kind of uh, singer songwriter mode, or yeah, you know, just do, you know, even like I said before, the, the album that I really was was into um, last, come pick me up, was kind of a departure. It was a little more poppy. It was it was definitely less distorted, not very, you know, fast. Um, and that's kind of what you think of, you know, when bands sort of age gracefully or whatever. But this album, you know, to, to Christian's point, was is, is really fresh sounding and, and really fast and ferocious and, um, you know, and just really good songs. They're, they're, I think Super always good for, you know, a couple of great songs because they have that sound. And Mac's voice is so, um, you know, sort of significant um, or insignificant, but is just familiar this album in particular, I think, they, they really focused in on the songs. From what I understand, they recorded it very quickly, too. It was something that they wanted to get down and, and get out and, and, you know, have that kind of angry urgency.
2: Well, they, they were all, I mean, they were all written and recorded between November and, uh, like, February, I think. Um, of I mean, immediately following the election, which, makes a lot of sense. you know, is... <laughs> Well, no. I mean, it's very clearly the the sort of sole focal, you know, focus point of, of, of each of these songs. I mean, they are um, in in name and subject, you know, really quite literal um, in I, the way that we- they're addressing politics. I I was the one thing. I so I would. Wyndham, you said earlier that you know there they aren't there wasn't a sort of lot of anger or um, it, you know or attitude in in this sort of form of punk, and um, I, I guess I would. I would, I would object to that a little bit because I actually think that you know they are the ultimate sort of um, like credibility guys uh, in this world. And, yeah, you know, actually, they the are,
0: attitude was probably a mis- It was probably the wrong word. I, I but I didn't. I never thought of them as being a particularly pissed off um, version of punk. They were sort of you know they loved the ethos and they were they were certainly you know uh, proprietors of the ethos and, and um, you know, Merge Records in and of itself is, is, you know, proof of that. Everything they've done has always, you know, been, a, you know, a super legit and everything like that. It's just that, the, you know, I, I always thought of them as, as being sort of suburban on we, you know, of, you know, Slack Motherfucker has a, has a kind of a badass sounding title, but it's, you know, it's a playful song.
2: Yeah, um I I think that's definitely right. Uh there isn't the same sort of like um you know m- macho supercharged like uh um like sort of skull cracking attitude as like Break you know or something. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean they they didn't have that but but I think um it it actually you know, requires at least an equal amount of, um, grit and resolve and, you know, to, to be really at the end of the day, like it's, it's exhausting to be this principled. Um, and, you know, they have, uh, against the odds, perhaps, uh, you know, built a, a, really successful, sustainable, um, enterprise in, in Merge Records. Um, and, you know, that's been able to put out the music of, of, you know their band, but also a, a ton of other great stuff. Um, yeah, and you know, so I think that, like, yeah, it's it's. I I, I, w- I wasn't criticizing your your comment. I just I think that like it's a different type of resolve. It's a different type of attitude. But it it's just as like. You know, gritty and stubborn in many respects as as um, uh, as, as any other. So yeah, I think principled
0: um, is the key key term there. But to me, you know, I always I put Superchunk along. You know, when you talk about you know punk rock, I think of Superchunk more in the sort of Yola Tango camp than I do the the you know uh, in the sort of punk. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think
2: punk is, uh, punk is an ethos. Um, and I, I've always sort of used it, used the term more loosely to describe like, um, a a movement of like, not even a movement, just a collection of like-minded sort of, you know, um, anti, uh, uh, I'd say both anti-authority and, um, anti-convention, uh, you know, independent thinking is really the, the most, um, uh, consistent or like quality that that you know stretches across punk rock as a whole, um, but yeah, I guess also nihilism was a big deal.
0: Uh, they for do a while. The, they, they do do the uh, you know the uh, one of my favorite you know measures of punk rock is. Um, Uh, the number of songs versus the length of the album and they do a very sweet yeah they um they did you know proportionately you know the ratio here is pretty great of 11 songs in 32 minutes and you know let's let's dive into the album itself because we're, we're sort of um you know we've we've we are all fans of the band but you know this like i said this took us by surprise and i think you know we can talk individually about some of the songs and some of the um, you know, work here. Um, that yeah, that, that we're talking I, I,
2: about. if I can start. I mean, I, Black Thread is the only song that even remotely slows down um, below like a certain beats per you know number of beats per minute. Um, the rest of it is like it keeps up a very very high energy level uh, level throughout. Um, I have to say that like. I mean, I think the opener, What a Time to Be Alive, is great. Um, and it does open with a killer line, um, you know, uh, uh, directed very squarely at Donald Trump. So you, you sort of get a, um, you know, shot across the bow to open this thing. And you sort of get the, you know, it sets it sets a tone that it then um, uh, sticks with for, for the subsequent, you know, 32 minutes. But I think my favorite song in this uh, is actually Break yeah, the Glass. Great. Um which has a really, it, it's, it's funny. It has like, even, I mean, even for them, and I think they are master writers of, um, power chord hooks. Like they just, they have, I mean, he, he prepares just really excellent melodies out of, um, you know, three note chords basically. Um, and, uh, it, it has it, a little bit of a sort of, I mean, almost a power pop quality in the sense that it does some of their songs feel like they're almost, a you know, endless number of bridges strung together. Um but uh but in this case, you know, there was a it's it's a. it sort of opens up into um a I, I guess a, a, a kind of surprising, um, you know, it's got punchy and sort of fierce lyrics, but, like, it has this really pretty and sort of soaring melody um, in in the chorus that actually reminded me of, of, you know, songs like The Bleeding Heart Show by the New Pornographers. So mm-hmm. it does have, like, a lot of uh, sort of poppy DNA in it, I think. Um, and, you know, I, I again, I, I go back to the fact that sonically, like, I, I think my favorite quality of this was sort of how, Fresh and sharp, his voice sounds uh, throughout, um, and it's it's just it's captured really well. It's recorded really well. I mean, these guys are obviously masters in the studio at this point. Um, but uh, but it it really does sort of elevate each of these songs. Um, you know, the 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 through the vocal clarity, I guess.
0: Well, I'm no I'm no expert on their last fifteen uh, years worth of recorded material, so I, I apologize if if this is something that they have been doing for quite some time now but it's certainly the earlier uh, stuff which you know sort of I you know, think of as their their classic period of, of you know early to mid uh, to late 90s um, you know his, his vocals were pushed down and you know the, the uh, you know the pop hooks were, were pushed up and, and the mix and and in this one he's very much a focal point um, and, and higher up in the mix and the, and the words are are, um, clearly articulated. Yeah. more of the focus, certainly. Um, you know, the other thing that I was just going to say before we get off the fact that this is a political and an overtly political album is that there have been a handful of, of pretty weak tries at, mm-hmm. at, um, writing I, again in the Trump admin, you know, during the Trump Regime—it's um, been hard on comedians and musicians and any form of protester because you can't express um, the level of exasperation and absurdity because you're complete. You're frequently being overwhelmed by exasperation and absurdity, and this is the first album I've heard that that sort of clearly articulates without, you know, without you know doing some making some embarrassing misstep or underselling or um the the silliness of or the insanity of what's going on. Yeah, I mean,
1: on. I think one of the things that we kind of touched on, when we were talking about just the the career arc of these guys, is that you have a group of of people who have you know a been doing their own thing for a long time, but have also lived through quite a bit. I mean, Superchunk has to be in their their fifties now, early fifties, late forties, I would imagine. Yeah. I would so I so, mean, yeah. it's a band that like comes at this with a bit of like maturity and a bit of sort of. Um, I guess, steady-footedness, but still, you know, um, you know, it, it, this album is, is full of, you know, just kind of, like, sharp takes on the absurdity and, and, and kind of insanity of our time in, in a really, like, tight, super-chunk way. I mean, I, I think one of the things we were touching on before, I just don't think they've been very political in the past. And I think, you know, and yeah, and this is obviously their first, and I think it's just... You know, the the older, the 50-year-olds... They very publicly lived Yeah, exactly. No, no, definitely. And and I I think you're right, but I think they they never put out... You know, they weren't Steve Erling, you know, putting out albums about the Iraq War or things like that, you know, or or Reagan, but, you know, they do have a great song, Reagan Youth, talking about nostalgia of the sort of 80s and and punk movement. And I also love Break the Glass. Um, And I think Erasure is a great song, too. It was the first single I actually heard before Mm -hmm. I heard What a Time to Be Alive, which I, I like a lot. There's a popness that these guys have always had that you know doesn't always come through, but in this album in particular, I think they do a great mix of, of the sort of speed, anger, but there's still like always like a really warmness to Mac's voice and, and always a hook. There's yeah an you know And, and, uh, and I, I think if you've anger. ever heard him interviewed, and I think you know, I've seen this band a number of times live, and we're all going to go see him in April, which is fun. They're always great. Um, there's an optimism about this band. I mean, he's a pretty happy guy, you know. Just, and, uh, you know, I think they've had a lot of success doing what they want to do. And, you know, I think it shows. I mean, I think it's a confident band um, that, you know, really put out, I think, the, the first great record of the year. And I,
2: I would say, uh, in addition to that, I, I, personally, I think this this is in contention for their best album. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that obviously we'll need to settle in a little bit, but irrespective I of how it's critically sort of reviewed, I mean, this to me actually has like a, a degree of completeness that I think is like, is just, is really exciting. Um, and, and, you know, I, I wonder if in, in some respects, um, it makes sense that, you know, uh, under like the, the, you know, current... Um, let's say, Paul of, of national politics, um, you know, familiar voices are, are kind of welcome back into um, the fold. And, you know, it's, it's I really like whatever your politics and, um, you know, it's comforting to remember that this isn't the first time that somebody's done something worth protesting. So in, in some respects, it's nice to have the guys who are there for round one back in it. Yeah. Um, and you know it's sort of welcome back onto the scene. It's like they've been here before; they survived it, and um, you know this isn't the only time that you know that we've sort of been this
0: divided, I guess. Um, so, but I, I think that's what's fun about uh, uh, a song like Reagan Youth is that you know I. I i remember what the you know what the sound of of revel you know what uh, the sound of protest sounded like back then and it was you know keith morris sneering at, at reagan policy and that kind of thing wouldn't work right now it just wouldn't you know reagan was a different pillar to to bang against than than trump and so that's why you know i mean i think if you know it, it twofold one is you know, Superchunk is, is the last band I would... Or not the last, but, you know, not the first band I would think of as coming out with an album um, that was this dedicated to, um, you know, sort of political... Uh, voicing a political, uh, you know, distaste uh, at the moment, but also that they're the right band, uh, the right tenor, because of just what you said, Mac is always and super Chung have always seemed like a very optimistic happy bunch of people and you've taken you've sucked the optimism out of this guy now, you now know, that, that's fighting <laughs> words <laughs> anyway um you want to take a quick break and then come back and, and talk about a few other uh albums that we're listening to these days
1: Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother Pod. Tonight we're doing our uh, reoccurring episode of What Are We Listening To? And this is our first one in 2018. So we uh, just talked about, in the last segment, Superchunk's new excellent album. We thought we'd dedicate a whole segment to that, since all three of us are uh, absolutely in love with that record. And then uh, we're going to talk about some other things we're listening to. So Wynn, what what are you listening to?
0: Well... There's a couple things I'm listening to right now, and that I'm sort of puzzling through. Which is, um, one is hookworms, which I had talked about a couple weeks ago, and I'll come back to. But more interestingly, um, I've been listening to the car seat headrest uh, Twin Fantasy record, which is really interesting in that um, this is actually a full-on re-recording, uh, not a remastering, not a remixing, not a. It's a full-on recording of. Uh, the Car Seat Headrest or Car Seat headrest sixth album, I want to say, uh, which came out in 2011. Uh, I think he put out. Uh, what well, this is, Will Toledo, when he was it's a. solo It's hard to believe
2: that this guy actually went to class in college because you know he put out about a dozen albums by the time he graduated. So. I think a
0: week, you know. Um, but yeah, he he. Uh, um, I mean, I I didn't go to class much in college, and I didn't put out far less productive. <laughs> Yeah. Um, But anyway, so he'd put out four albums in 2010 on Bandcamp and then another, I believe, uh, four albums or so uh, in 2011. This was the sixth album, and this was the one that sort of caught people's attention in the same way. Um, I think the parallel um, would be, you know, a few years more senior uh, Connor Oberst um, or Will Toledo. Uh, on his sixth album, gets um, starts getting listened to uh, more, you know, more widely and getting more attention. The sixth album was called Twin Fantasy, and this was his. He always considered it apparently an unfinished record, and it's a, a record that covers a lot of emotional uh, real estate. A lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of songs about longing and obsession and. Love and and you know uh, misery and, and the usual uh, sonic palette of of the the uh, lonely indie rocker, but he has now decided that um, you know it, rather than scrap uh, the 2011 version, he simply took his current band, which is a a four piece with you know um, some additional uh, helpers here and there, and just re recorded the songs, and so it's a different album, it's a very different album, but it's the same songs. So um, I don't, I can't really think of any precedent for this uh, in the past, but something could be escaping me. Can you guys think of anybody who's gone back and full on re-recorded an entire record that they'd done in their Previous, you know, in their previous
1: incarnation, you know, a lot of people remaster things. A lot yeah, of, yeah, you know, I mean, I I've had, had lot of people, people remix like Palace things, Music going and doing like a bunch of songs with Nashville musicians or something. You know, there's there's things in that like vein of like or playing an album with other folks, but yeah, I don't know about completely redoing or a re, you know, I guess I used to redo, right? Yeah, re recording the, the entire The actual song, yeah. songs
0: and the actual list without really changing you know not doing a, a country version of of um you know uh twin fantasy here it's this is the you know the same um basic song structures filled out and you know better produced better <clears throat> you know played i i don't know i i, I mean you I can think of it at a, at a song <laughs> level
2: um but it's i, I haven't I, yeah, I'm, I'm stretching to think of anything that anybody has done it um, for a complete album. And there are, like, practical reasons you wouldn't necessarily do that, um, starting with the fact that, like, you have to re-license everything um, and republish everything. Um, and it kind of, like, cannibalizes your own music a little bit. I mean, I'm not suggesting that that's, like, a primary motivator here. Um, I'm, I'm sure the art is... It just, like, it... it you know, I, Radiohead, for instance, will come out with new versions of old songs or they'll release old versions of new songs. Um, and often they don't sound that similar. Uh, yeah. and you know, they're arranged differently or, um, you know, they're recorded in a completely different place or like in one of my favorite examples of that, um, mostly because I really, really, really like the original version of the song, which was called feeling pulled apart by horses. Um, and also love Reckoner, which was, uh, on in rainbows. And, Guess there. I mean, they are ostensibly the same song in the sense that Reckoner has a line feeling pulled apart by horses, um, but the original is like a you know heavy kind of groovy rocker, um, and so you just get these like completely different takes. And and so one of them, I'm curious, did you go back and listen to the first album of yeah, or like the first version and, of this?
0: And it's yeah, and the thing is, is in the spirit, it's not that different. And the thing that that struck me is that I I would have a very hard time. Um, And this is, you know, from a writing standpoint, um, particularly at that very tender age, I would have a hard time being 27 and going back and revisiting the misery of, you know, unrequited love of a 19 year old. Uh, and and the See, songs that's... and the words that came out of that. <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> that's funny. I was gonna say it's not it's not actually revisiting the experience of unrequited love. It's the fact that I don't want to be locked in a room with shit I wrote eight years ago. <laughs>
0: no, no, I don't want to
2: be <laughs> <eight> weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I may the not only be getting good, the only. The only good thing I've ever written is the thing that I am currently writing. Um, yeah, no, I know that feeling. Um, it's like seeing emails that you've that you've written years ago, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, oh, what's wrong with me?
0: Who was that? <laughs> I mean, there are times when I get I out of the, you know, get you know, get out of my, you know, own headspace. And I'll go back and you know read something that I've written, you know, professionally, and and being like, that wasn't yeah. bad, you know. Oh, yeah, like, I don't Like the key that is that something. wasn't bad. Like, you're
1: like pleasantly surprised. Yeah, but it's also By the also way, I have a similar
2: experience and, listening to our podcast or, like, seeing you know seeing yourself yeah. on TV or something. It's oh, just yeah. like, oh, fuck.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, the fact that we could... But that, that, that's what I mean with this guy. Um, you know, this is obviously a person who is extremely self-critical. Um, you know, who's not exactly... You know, he's not exactly singing We Are the Champions <laughs> here. Um, he, you know, this is all very introspective. Um not woe is me, but it's pretty,, uh, you know, it's laid out. Uh, you know, he lays himself out pretty bare in terms of the way he he examines his own, you know thoughts and behavior. And so to me, it would be crippling to go back if you were that, um sort of nakedly emotional of a writer and and you know revisit yourself and particularly at yeah, 19. I think it actually <laughs> is an I mean I, I don't
1: I've only given and I you know been I've only given the album a couple of spins and, and need to listen to it more because I am I'm a big Car Seat Headrest fan. But I I did it hit me right away lyrically that it was a little bit of, you know, just self flagellate you know it was just like young lyrically versus the last album which seemed very present to his a- current age or the age he was when he wrote it and in his 20s and, and I guess more relatable for some reason but um I don't know I'm curious what do you guys think I mean have you both listened to it obviously that, Wynn has.
0: that's part of what's interesting uh, that's part of what's uh, interesting here too is that I think you know what you do get by you know going back and examining something that's now uh seven years old is you get the you know Every bit of the evolution and DNA of what makes this guy such a good songwriter—he's hooky as hell, um, and uh, you know, confessional. And I apologize for cutting you off there, Christian. What were you going to say? No, just—I mean—I I think that I,
2: I'm trying to sort of put this in in deeper perspective because I agree with you. I mean, I think that it would be challenging to uh, take this particular project on. Um, I do, however, think that he is pretty quickly establishing himself as, like, one of the better, I mean, certainly more prolific, but also one of the um, more, more sort of consistent songwriters uh, that, that we've got right now up there with guys like, you know, Alex G and, and I think, um, Mitski, uh, J-Som. Like, there, there are a handful of these folks who are really smart, good lyricists, um, and, you know, in some respects, like, what is it that every writing teacher would ever tell you? It's like, you know, to get better, you really do need to, like, know your own work and revisit it and re, you know, and, and edit. And, um, I I wonder if that's sort of part of the the process here. I mean, that, that it may be on the one hand, in some ways kind of cathartic, but in other ways, also, um, a, a way of sort of, uh, pushing himself and getting better. It's an exercise, you know? It's it's
0: an interesting exercise because I don't think a lot of the lyrics were edited. Um, Whereas that would be my primary uh, impulse would be to... No, and there's like a
2: real rigor and honesty about this.
0: Yeah, I think it's cool. And I, you know... And I actually, you know, I, I do think the record's really good, and, and the funny thing is that there are, you know, in, in classic um, self indulgent nineteen uh, year old style, you know, one of the songs was thirteen minutes long, one of the songs is sixteen minutes long, and those are both really good <laughs> songs. So he's um,
2: he, uh, yeah, I've got to say he's he's done well to sort of write like the the Hey Jude length um, indie rock song but like pretty yeah, consistently, but he's you doing know, whether like it's
0: a twelve inch of Hey Jude.
2: Yeah, but like twelve, you know, uh, drunk drivers, yeah. killer whales was like—I mean, it's effectively two songs, but it's great. Uh, Vincent's eight minutes, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of great stuff. And uh, it's funny
0: because it stands in stark contrast to me to somebody like Father John Misty, who is just rambling on and on and not and you know so impressed with his own cleverness.
2: Notice um, I didn't mention him when I was talking about reclaiming indie rock lyricism. <laughs> exactly.
0: Or um, <laughs> uh, no,
2: he's he is he is reinventing uh, indie rock pretension though. Um, mm.
0: So and that's, and that's hard to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the other the other album that I'm you know that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago and am still absolutely uh, in love with is this you know micro Shifts by Hookworms uh, band out of England uh, who I'm. I've realized, uh, and this could be, I could be off the mark on this, but I'll I'll use it as a conversation starter because I was listening to it Um, coming back from the gym today. And I was thinking, you know what, for all the effort that Arcade Fire puts into trying to to write dance music, this is what they should sound like. Um, It's a band that builds, you know, in the same way that, uh, you know, Arcade Fire builds great pop and rock songs. These guys do it with dance, um, you know, like Hot Chip did musically. But these guys, I think, mix the sort of intensity of, um, you know, Arcade Fire's intentions uh, without, you know, making it look so laborious. Without
1: trying so hard. Yeah, I mean, this is a a, you turned me on to this record when it's a super fun album. It's big in sound. I mean, I think when you're mentioning like Arcade Fire and, and groups like that, you know, that's the thing that comes to mind for me. But it's really listenable, too. It's it's a fun record with, you know, um, I think the first song I heard was Static Resistance. That really caught my ear. And, you know, it, it just kind of keeps going on and on. Like, it has kind of the stadium sound, but really kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, dance forward and, and modern, too. It's a good, really good record. These guys kind of seem to come out of nowhere, too. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about them. And then all of a sudden... Well- Christian knew okay. them
0: before. I I actually embarrassingly, or not embarrassingly, but um, I didn't know who they were and uh, had no. Uh, I didn't. I hadn't been following them. Christian, you knew who they were from their last album or two. Yeah, uh, um,
2: the Hum came out in two thousand fourteen uh, and was a really. I I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I think it's one of these things that, like, it it was much more distorted, much more of a sort of punk based uh sound. Um, I, I think, you know, they still had um some sort of sense in there, but but in a sense like, you know, they were really, really heavy on like distortion and, and these like extended um you know, this sound sort of like fuzz shit that would close out song. Yeah, and it was it was good. I enjoyed it. Um I like that album a lot. I wasn't as crazy about the subsequent. I guess one came out in 2015. Yeah. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. Uh, but you know, I part of it. I, I was just I was interested when I came back to this at your recommendation. They were just a very different band, um, and you know, in some respects, I guess it is always interesting to hear bands that mature and sort of leave some of the fuzz behind them. Um, and, you know, they're a little bit more confident in their own voice and their own sound uh, and a little bit less... Af- uh, well, I don't want to say afraid, but maybe a little bit...
0: Just more confident.
2: They just don't... They don't feel like they need to hide behind um, that kind of distortion. Was the you early really, stuff yeah, exactly, all the dancey?
1: Time. Because, I mean, it's a very English, too, I feel like, to have multiple albums that have completely different genres as your lead kind of sound a lot of british bands do that it was this um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: i you know, put it this way i would never have said this band is going to be a dance band um now that they've done it of course 2020 hindsight i you know it makes sense um, there was definitely a little bit, you know, there were there were sort of pop synth hooks every once in a while um, that would, you know, uh, shine through in some of these songs. But for the most part, that wasn't really what they were trying to do. I don't think. Um, so it is it is kind of cool to see to see this evolution.
0: They feel more to me like gear nerds than you know necessarily uh, than anything. I mean, it seems like they're mastering um, their tech. Um, in this, in the same way that sort of Daft Punk or Hot Chip would, um, but at the same time, I think they they've got a sort of. I mean, every everybody I'm going to compare them to, um, you know, makes it sound like I'm I'm you know about to promote their you know football stadium tour. Um, They're not going to be that big, probably, but um, they do have an ambition of sound that's pretty lofty. I mean, it does share elements of Arcade Fire, Killers, Hot Chip, Daft Punk. Um, You know, they're they're ambitious, and so I, you know, I I really like it, and I would highly recommend listening to it. I've I've been listening to it a lot since I was in California, so. What are
2: you guys listening to? Well, I'll check. Uh, I'll check a couple of things here. The first is um, the new album from uh, sort of seminal Boston late '90s, early 2000s punk band, um, hardcore band, uh, American Nightmare. Um, and you know, just to go through the the sort of career arc, American Nightmare were um, I think one of the sort of iconic bands of of a really successful era of Boston hardcore. Um, they were. Definitely uh, cutting against the grain a little bit, I think, at times where, you know, and, and sort of uh, inspired um, the ire of some uh, some of the, you know, the Purist. scenes. Um, yeah, purists and, and ideologues who felt that they were, um, you know, just learning to in- Interested in too many genres of music to be considered hardcore, basically, which is like you know when you put it in those terms, makes the whole thing seem very immature. Um, and in some respects, it has it is known to do
0: that. Um, I mean, can be that converge way. is kind of like that too. I mean, converge is putting out you know a yeah. really interesting record or put out a really interesting record last year that that you know again you, I think you said people you know sort of uh, they, they've. Uh,
2: yeah, they they've had actually it's interesting they've had like a pretty consistently positive um, reception, but they were definitely one of the uh, one of the earlier bands to sort of really meld hardcore metal and you know some of these uh, like just influences that you can group into like a, a miscellaneous other category whether it's jazz or I mean frankly pop on occasion rock, although yeah. people would sometimes disagree with that. Um, you know, I, I anyway. I, I think that, that American Nightmares has um, been uh, l- put it this way. They're a hardcore band. His favorite band was Joy Division, um, so uh, you know that's gonna that's going to rear its own set of influences um, in you know it, not just in the music, but also in the sentiment, the um, songwriting, the lyrics, uh, and I think in the lyrical delivery a lot. Um, you know, but but this new album, which is self titled, they went for a while. Ran into a licensing problem, um, or uh, whereby a really shitty. Philly yeah, I was gonna say, was band, there another band with um, the same of name like or something? Old dudes named, yeah, old dudes in there. Like they were like a bar band, I think. Um, and if I'm uh, misremembering um, how much they suck, then you know I won't apologize because uh, they took a good band's <laughs> good name. Um, and so American Nightmare became gave uh, give up the ghost for a while, and then flipped back for this album because they got ah. the rights to it. Um, Now, with this, uh, this is, you know, coming after... They reunited about five years ago to play shows um, and, you know, finally put out an album. And so it's a really... I I think it's a great, like, very short, um, you know, I think it's 25 minutes, um, 30 minutes, like, uh, sort of appreciation of of, um, hardcore in history, actually. Like, it it does... Yeah, yeah, it it shows... uh, It's got... Yeah, but I mean, it's it, different songs will will recall different moments in sort of the history of punk and and channel different um, uh, different sec, uh, sections and and inspiration. But I I think that as a whole, it, you know, it really hangs together nicely. And these guys are great musicians. So, do you yeah, guys give it a I listen?
0: I did. I really like it. I think it, it's it's funny to listen to it. Um, you know, the same week that we're. Uh, bringing, um, you know, that we're, we're talking about Superchunk because, um, you know, certainly they're harder uh, edged and the you know, vocals are, are, you know, much uh, more ferocious than that of Mac from Superchunk. But, you know, really, um, you know, there's a sort of uh, I can see where, you know, where you're talking about, you know, the sort of hardcore community not embracing this and that's when it you know that's when I you're gonna like it I will
3: probably <laughs> like it a little
0: bit more in the same way that you know I really like the last couple of mastodon records that have been you know sort of shunned by by metal purists um give me give me the stuff that um you know uh fades away from the pure you know that that shies away from the purist or repels the purist and I'm usually pretty happy um but I yeah I listen to it and I really like it yeah, I mean,
2: I think it, it sort of speaks to the fact that um, well, so Wes Eisold is their uh, their lead singer is, um, you know, I I saw a, an interview with him recently in which he said, you know, he was sort of asked about this this um, the fact that they'd over the years uh, inspired um, you know both the adoration of, of fans who wouldn't squarely fit in the hardcore scene and also you know the ire on occasion of of um, these uh, sort of purists who would do things like break their records on stage um, and uh, right before the book burning I guess Mm -hmm. Um, and you know he he sort of it it was I think yeah, it goes to show you. It's like these things come in, in. You know, they're relatively balanced, right? You piss one group of people off, you're going to win another demographic yeah, over. Build a so, new audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's um, you can't be all things to all people, and uh, there's you know, it's always refreshing, and and I think um, nice to see a, a band that sort of knows that and is comfortable in its own skin, um, and and just wants to make the music that it's good at.
0: Yeah. And the other, the other record that you were talking about this weekend, and there's another band that was foreign to me. Um, Loma. That I listened to today was Loma.
2: Yeah, so Loma's a Texas trio um, uh, featuring Jonathan Myberg, Emily Cross, and Dan Duszynski. And um, it sort of splits the difference between, the I think, the latter pair's um, uh, cross record, which is a so, um, the group that that Emily Cross and Dan Dushinsky had together, um, and the sort of, you know, uh, more, I think, powerful um, uh, and bigger rock sound of of Shearwater, um, which is where Jonathan Myberg came from, Um, and that's a uh, sub-pop band. Um, He was originally in
1: Ockerville, Ockerville, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah. Um, and so... I, I, honestly, this is like a pretty exciting Listening experience for me So I came to it knowing absolutely nothing About the band or the album yeah. um, I sort of saw the name pop up a couple times In various places um, And, you know, honestly The name didn't even stick out that much either um, I didn't know whether it was a word, a place An animal um, Like, I had a feeling A restaurant no idea, in Silver Lake. So like, <laughs> it, Yeah, ex- exactly um, No, that's, that's exactly right So it's like I just i had absolutely no idea what to expect um popped it on and and sort of gave it a listen and you know it's and it, those are sort of these you know it was, it was a total enigma and and i guess that's not to focus too much on the experience of listening to it, but that is kind of a rare case um, when you when you get to approach something having no views about it, um, and you know I think it's relatively rare uh, that we start from that position these days, given how often we're talking to each other about this stuff and and you know um, getting recommendations from from um, you know friends, other critics, every you know all over the place, um, but you know, coming at this with a completely blank canvas, I'd say my first impressions were um, you know, that there is like a a very immediate sort of supercharged intimacy to it Um, and it starts with several uh, really um, sort of uh, intensely emotional you know, folk-rooted songs that I guess um, don't all feature uh, sort of folk you know, traditional folk instrumentation Um, so, you know, in that respect like as we were discussing earlier the way that um, the the sort of palette uh, from which super trunk is, is drawing its um, songs is, is pretty consistent um, you know what instruments you're getting on a super trunk song um, and you can sort of put it with you know on, on a fairly small area on the spectrum and and whereas you know I think with this Loma album it's actually a lot less predictable um, the opener who is speaking is has this like really great sort of circular um, uh, kind of dark, finger-picked melody um, matched with, like, uh, Emily Cross, the, the lead singers, um, sort of asking these, uh, you know, kind of sad, open-ended questions. Um, but it jumps from there into Dark Oscillations, which, I, you know, sounded a little bit like Bat for Lashes in, in the terms of having, um, you know, synths and drum machines uh, programmed in there. Um, and then you have a song, Joy, that sounds like, honestly, something that could have been an air, you know, a, a lost air song on the version Suicides, um, and then I think the real standout uh, was was the fourth track for me, which is I Don't Want Children. Um, you'll never guess what it was about, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, it was really spare... I, again, I'm, I'm going back to using this word in, in sort of intensity, but but reflective uh, concentration of, of feeling. Um, and I just, you know, it was it's a moving record. Um, and I think the mood they capture is, is pretty chilling. Um, and to later discover, when I finally did some homework on it, that it was recorded as the marriage of, of Cross and Duszynski was dissolving... Um, Really did make a lot of sense, and you know, rumors. it's it's yeah, yeah. That was exactly where I went to. It doesn't sound anything like rumors. So, um, no, 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 so this I'm,
0: is a this is a good uh, podcast about exes. I mean, Super Chunk and uh, Laura, and now Loma. Yep. So, yeah,
2: yeah, um, I, and I think you know the the theme that you you or the the consistent quality that that provides is, you know, you are hearing a really painful experience that's being processed um, quite literally through the music that you're listening to. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I Sometimes I wonder if, if um, like, the group think of, uh, of, you know, knowing... it's It, it, it was impossible to, to know, like, listen to Rumors without knowing a ton about it first. Um, and I do kind of wonder if, like, you know... I would have come to the same conclusion that it's that it's a divorce album if I'd heard it for the first time on my own, there's just no way of knowing, right? No. Um, but I can tell you that I did think that about this. So, um, so anyway, I would say yeah, I would... Uh, hide, hide the razor blades <laughs> and slip into a nice warm bath and throw on uh, uh, throw on Loma because it's it's pretty great.
0: Yeah, I I really I, it's very interesting and it has a, a couple of elements and and you I will bounce these off you, Christian, because you you've listened. Um, but a couple of elements from a couple of Jair's favorites and I would say there's a tiny bit of. Of uh, um, you know Jer's favorite record last year, "Big Thief" and a little bit of Rye. Yeah, yeah,
2: um, yeah. The the groove of Rye is a little Rye is like so sort of smooth. Yeah, smooth operator. Um, but I definitely yeah yeah, but I definitely hear um, "Big Thief" in this in the in in the sort of. Uh, like there's clarity. a remoteness,
0: yeah, there's a remoteness too that almost the confessional resource, you know, I think like make the, the- but it's the thing that made me the uh, draw the parallel between or draw the dotted line between. Um, Big Thief and Mazzy Star there's like a there's like a coolness and an iciness to the storytelling yeah, that I
1: found
0: really interesting Yeah it's a good record yeah, I, I, I like it a lot it. and
1: I think Christian you, you kind of nailed all the things that stuck out to me where it, really the genre shifting um, obviously the songs are great and I think it you know brings a lot of the things you you discussed but I was impressed by the genre shifting and, and not like drastic but just you know, songs that sound more like air, and then songs that are, are definitely more sort of traditional and um, in, in instrumentation. So it's a really kind of another one that kind of came out of, of nowhere. I hadn't heard it until you mentioned it and, and really enjoyed it.
3: Love comes, I'm stuck in the brain like a man like a I can't
2: Excellent. And what about you, Jerry? Yeah. You, uh... So
1: um, you know, I'm actually gonna chat about an album, and then and then a couple like things I'm excited about. And the the album is Jeff Rosenstock's Post. So um, Rosenstock, it's his third solo album, um, and his first one, We Cool, quite as a question question mark. And then his uh, kind of like bomb that went off right before the election. And, and this is gonna kind of tie in a little bit to the the super trunk conversation. Worry, which um, got a lot of critical acclaim. I think he toured pretty relentlessly off of that album, and he's a uh, DIY punker, you know, from Long Island, who has been playing music for the last, I think, ten or twelve years. He was in a band called, you know, really sort of, uh, you know, hard to guess his attitude. Bomb the music industry was a band that he was in for a long time, and the arrogant sons of bitches. And and uh, you know, he's another guy like. Um, like, Imagine of John Dwyer. From yeah, that just completely, you know, has done his own thing and, and has that punk ethos. But musically, to me, it comes across, you know, sort of like a mix between, you know, his like some Ted Leo, um, some of the political, the more political punk of the 80s, like the Dead Kennedys and, and more in messaging and a little bit of Titus Andronicus. And then there's like even that kind of, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but like, that Long Island, New York, and I think Titus has a little bit of this too, but that like Springsteen-esque, you know, almost big, mm-hmm. big sound and pianos and strings. And, and this album is definitely more introspective, but it does have, you know, you can't talk about this album without talking about this, the second track, USA, which is seven minutes long and uh, it's almost like three songs in one. Where, you know, to quote the lyrics, dumbfounded, downtrodden, dejected, crestfallen, grief-stricken and exhausted, trapped in my room while the house burned down to the motherfucking ground. And, uh, you know, then breaks into later, you know, a chorus of we're tired and bored and then into a, uh, you know, cheerlead at the end of of, At Two USA. And it's a song that just skates the country. I mean, from suburban, um, you know, sort of limousine, limousine liberalism to red state, you know, kind of middle America and uh, racism and, and everything else that's going on. It's, it's a song that you know. Normally, I see a seven-minute song and, and I just you know want to run away. Um, but this is a, is a song that like could have fit on Titus's you know uh, Civil War album. It, it's just it's a great, great, great song. But in general, I think this album's a little more introspective. There's a lot of um, really good tunes. Just about being kind of you know anxious, nervous. Um, powerlessness is one that stands out. I don't know how much you guys have listened to this album, but just lyrically, you know, talks about you know not not talking to anyone for a month you know, going out because I, you know, sort of pounding yourself for I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Um, and, and all with like kind of a, a you know, Buzz Cox-y, Ted Leo kind of delivery. Um, you know, there is a little bit of like showmanship. I mean, these songs can get big, too. There's there's, you know, strings and, and some piano and, and keyboard and, um, it, you know, definitely not your typical, you know, as we we're talking about, like Super Chunk, straight ahead guitar rock but definitely comes from that ethos, and, and definitely has that kind of um, sort of cozy tightness. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Like taking the the punk. Um, I think Christian said it. You know, sort of attitude into a much bigger, bigger sound and, and bigger sort of um, you know bigger kind of soundscape. But. You know, I think Rosenstock, I think one of the most impressive things about this album is really that, like, Worry got a ton of acclaim. Um, It's a great record. I really liked it a lot. I think, Christian, you were a fan as well. Um, And, you know, to be able to kind of pop out another album with that much pressure It's the sophomore catch, you know, I think Post is definitely one of the best records of the year and, and, and carries the torch from the last record and takes it a little less sort of, you know, scathing look at the world and, and more of the, you know, sort of paranoia and, and, and kind of isolation, um, that that shit world, visit, yeah, world visits sort on of you post yeah. the worry. Right. So it's, uh, I don't know have you guys taken a spin on this record yet?
2: I have, but, uh, but I spent a lot more time with, with, um, right. uh, his album last year and, and, um, enjoyed it, uh, a lot. I mean, I think I, I, Gave this a spin when I, I think it was was it NPR that um, ran it early, uh, but in any event, um, yeah, it's it's a he's a. Consistent, he's sort of a staple of of um, this part of the world, and, a, and regularly touring. Um, when he said that he's been uh, touring pretty relentlessly off his last album, I thought I think he's actually just been doing that yeah. for ten years. I mean, such as the the DIY ethic. He and Mac DeMarco are probably two of the hardest working guys um, in the in the country. Uh, and you know, both of them, I think, while their music is is n- not that similar, um, I. I put them in the same camp because I also think there's a degree of like levity and um, uh, humor that he uh, in in his music, which um, is something that makes it a little bit more palatable, given how dark some of the um, sentiment is. Yeah, and I mean how how crushing some of the anxiety. I mean, worry alone
1: has one of my all time favorite album covers, which is both you know, comical and kind of great at the same time it's it's you know and i think this as well and i agree i think he does have some humor i mean i think it's funny when i was listening to this record um i hate hate using the word show tune but like sort of like rock opera music you know he has a little bit of that in him and and it reminded me a little bit of that jim steinman like a little bit of 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 like like, i don't know like and i i never really listened i'm not
2: it's like diy yeah like i'm not a
1: big green day person I, i respect them and and i definitely and i Christian, you may know more than me or when, like, I really listened to, last album I truly listened to was probably Dookie, but, like, you know, the idea of American Idiot and some of these more kind of themed records, I think this guy carries into his music a little bit, and if I, you know...
2: Are you trying to get everybody not to
1: listen to him? <laughs> like I said, I don't know those records. I'm saying the idea <laughs> of kind of having what I think Jesus. those records would sound like, you know, the idea of having kind of a, you know... No yeah, like, a, mo- a, modern, it. a modern-day like American... But almost like that could be on a stage. And I don't mean a rock stage. I mean, like, it, it, there's like a theatricality yeah. to it. Um, in a way mm-hmm. that I think is really listenable. I mean, some of the standouts, you know, if you guys haven't given it too many spins, but Beating My Head Against the Wall is, is fantastic. USA is, is a, you know, definitely listen too is a great song despite the length melba tv stars powerlessness it's it's a i mean all the way through it's a great record but i you know there's a there's some standouts for sure and and songs that i think based on what you guys like to listen to will enjoy quite a bit exciting yeah that does sound good i i and then you
0: wanted to throw out yeah so like
1: album wise I, i haven't really um you know, you guys, we talked about Superchunk and and then this Rosenstock record, but I, you know, there's some stuff coming out. And, and in the meantime, you know, I've, I've caught on to a couple of singles and actually been playing them quite a bit. And first one is uh, Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks, who have a new album coming out in the single Middle America. Um, it's just a song that really, you know, like like Superchunk to me, Malcolmus is comfort food. And, and I don't, you know, I'm not a pavement fanatic. I, I don't believe everything they did was amazing. In fact, I think, you know, there's a small portion of what he's done, namely, you know, Slant and Enchanted, uh, you know, half of Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, and uh, I love his first solo album quite a bit. Um, But this song in particular just kind of hits on all those warm, Malcolmist, you know, feelings. The guy even, you know, it sounds like something that came out of, you know, the Terror Twilight B-Sides or something. It's just a, um, it's a jangly, Pop song with with you know kind of meandering lyrics and and meandering guitar, but a, a tightness and a warmness that that's really familiar I don't know if you guys have heard it or listened to it yeah I yeah like it's, a lot. it's it's a and it's the first thing I've liked by him in a really long I'm time. I'm with you, and I think that's probably why it hit my list um, the other person I really want to talk about and and you know it's actually been a while since I have hit pitchfork for new music, but I was flipping through it and you know, I'd heard a little bit of hype about G Flip, who's a Melbourne Australian R&B singer. Um, she's played in other bands, apparently one band called, called Emperor, who I had not heard of. I don't know if you guys have, but is one of these, you know, bedroom kids that can play like every instrument you can think of and, you know, is put together...
2: To a very, to a very like amateur level. No, to a really, to like, she's yeah, like a virtuoso. virtuoso. Okay. And
1: and uh, the song about you is is a fantastic, like pop dance song. I mean, it's got like, to me, it builds and builds. Kind of, you know, I don't I don't know if you're fans of Grimes. You know, similar in the sense like, of Grimes, kind of homemade, but like really, really professional sounding, and really big. And this song. Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, already. she's got a great voice. The, I, I've only seen it because it's not on Spotify. You have to, um, you can check it out on Pitchfork or you can YouTube it. In And the video of her, you know, which is sort of playfully her in a studio or her bedroom, hard to tell, you know, kind of playing every instrument. But she's got a great voice, and, and you know, Grimes who kind of always covered her voice up with modulation and and you know, um, distortion. This woman can sing and and really kind of hits like you know like when said crossover. I mean the song builds and builds and builds. I mean even like Christian a little bit the drumming remind me of Cross Kraus. It's um, it's you know like it's just a cool R and B song. I highly recommend it. So I'm really excited to see when this album drops. So when you've heard it or listened to it, watch the video. What would you think? I did. I really I, I really liked it.
0: Um, but you know I, again it was. Uh, one of those things that I I listened to it at um, your behest, so I've only spun it once, and I I liked it. I can tell it's going to grow on me, but I was also impressed with the the sort. Of, and I'm sure the dynamic is not remotely accidental, but the the size of the sound with the sort of amateurness of the look is, is yeah, what, absolutely. Know, yeah, by. no,
1: she's it's definitely not accidental, but she, you know, does not look like actually I'd seen pictures of her prior, and you know, very hipster kind of cool-looking and, and whatever, but, like, just wasn't expecting that. I was, You know, I was expecting more four-track-style sound, and she also apparently was a guitar teacher and drums drum teacher to school kids, so, I mean, she can play. I think pretty much everything. So highly recommend it and uh, really digging on that song. The single's about you.
0: Yeah, G Flip, by the way, is is a, is a truncated version of her actual name, which is something like...
1: Jonna Flippo. Flippo. George, I think it's
0: Georgia Flippo, actually.
1: Georgia Flippo. Yeah. Georgia Flippo, yeah. Um, and then the last one is a band that, you know, kind of caught a lot of buzz in, in the um, mid-2000s Los Angeles group duo. No age. It was it was it the smell? Was that the club yeah? Yeah, that is one of the I mean, I will tell you um,
0: from first hand experience <laughs> of hanging uh, the smell, there's a reason it's called that. It's just fucking <laughs> smells. <laughs> called the smell. Um, it's awful. It's like a board, it's like a concrete room downtown that's got nothing. Happen. I mean, there's nothing that would distinguish it from a, a, a you know, a storage container, yeah. and it stinks for some reason. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, No Age was a group or is a group. You know that I, I, I think kind of interestingly to me when when Los Angeles started to become, you always thought of New York as like the art city, right? New York had the art rock and the and the very kind of you know arty sound, and, and Los Angeles was more of the flamboyant. Hollywood. Um, I feel like in Pretty the boy, mid incorrect. 2000s there was a shift, and, and more and more, you know, kind of art house experimental music was was starting to come out of Los Angeles. And, and No Age to me was really at the center of that scene. Um, it was a duo, but unlike a lot of the, the guitar drum duos that sort of tend towards the blues, these guys really went for like atmospheric, noisy rock, um, you know, sort of art pop, and uh, you know. I really liked their, their early work. Um, the single that I'm going to call out is "Send Me," And, and again, you can, you can go to Bandcamp and they have, I think three or four songs on their, on their upcoming album available. Um, and then there's also a video for the single that you can YouTube. Um, it's not yet on Spotify, and, and that's really the only streaming service I use but it could be available on others. Um, and you know, one of the things about this band was there's always sort of layers of sound and underneath you kind of could cling for that, you know, that kind of melody or that pop. And, you know, sort of like a My Bloody Valentine, but I think they were always more melodic up front. Um, These guys, you know, kind of buried that melody in in a lot of noise. And and this song, kind of what hit me off the bat was, you know, it's it's a pretty catchy tune. It's definitely got their signature kind of sound, but it's a very sort of straightforward, a little less buried than the past no-age stuff. So I'm pretty excited to hear you know what What they come out with it's snares been about like yeah snares like a haircut sorry is the the album and send me is the single um i think it's the first first thing they put out since 2013 so i don't know if you guys it's
0: funny you said it's funny that's the single that you uh picked out because i i listen to soft color fad thinking that was the song you were going to uh, be talking about and that's a kick-ass song i mean so uh so far they're they're two for twelve and and with a very, very high likelihood that they're gonna be uh that this album's gonna be really, really good snares like a haircut.
2: there's also a lot of i think critical build up and anticipation like people love nouns their two thousand and eight album mm. um and that that really gained a lot of momentum and and sort of the the limited supply i think uh, and they did like limited runs of vinyl and stuff like that they've been on. I think a different label for every album. Well, yeah, Weirdo um,
0: Rippers was the one that I was into, and that's you know that I couldn't believe when I looked back at that that it was 2006. It feels like it was you know, three years yeah. ago.
2: Yeah. So no, I think they've got um, they've they're they're definitely gonna uh, make a splash,
0: take over the planet. Well, you want to take a quick break and Good come start.
2: back? Yeah, let's add songs to the uh, playlist.
0: back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, today we are doing a What Are You Listening To full-fledged uh, episode. So rather than go through What Are You Listening To twice, we are going to jump straight ahead to our 6,472 10 best songs of all time. Um, I won't ask Christian because he's never prepared for this <laughs> question, but, Jared, what would you like to ask? I
1: actually uh, flipped, flipped mine mid um mid-pod in my head, so I I was going to go with one song that you may find out someday. might have to kill you afterwards, but um, I'm actually going to go with Car Seat Headrest, Drunk Drivers, Killer Whales, the album version, not the single version.
2: Cool. Christian? I'm going with uh, a song that I, having not heard in years, uh, have heard twice in the last week um, and always liked, but
0: Your Woman by Whitetown. I don't even know that song. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you you do. Oh, yes, I
1: do.
0: Yes, I do. It's a good song. Yes, I absolutely do. I actually heard it in, um, it was a TV show that it was just featured in. Uh, I think it was Johnny Versace, the Johnny Versace assassination show. Anyway, um, I'm going to add I Feel For You by Chaka Khan for no reason other than it's great. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, hanging out, and uh, check out all the stuff that we're talking about. Um, super we'll have a playlist up this week. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes.